The Mountain West is in discussion to add Oregon State and Washington State for basketball in the 2024-25 season. What does it mean for the WCC? What might it mean for Gonzaga? We'll get to all of that on today's Locked on Zags podcast. You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Happy Friday and welcome into the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to provide news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by Game Time. Folks, download the Game Time app, create an account, and use promo code Locked On College for $20 off your first purchase. Well, we're going to look at Gonzaga's lack of quad one wins and whether that might be a concern for this program going forward. We also got some notes on Ben Gregg and Julian Strother to close out the show. But first, a report from John Rothstein of CBS Sports indicates that the Mountain West is discussing adding both Oregon State and Washington State for basketball in the 2024-25 season. As we're recording this right now on Thursday afternoon, there isn't a ton of additional information other than that. The Rothstein reported there is no timetable for a decision and or an announcement on this. And it sounds like the current discussion involves only 24-25 and only basketball. I am assuming that basketball encompasses men's and women's basketball from a Title IX perspective. I don't think the Mountain West would add one without the other. I don't think they could from that perspective. So I think for all intents and purposes, right now, the conversation is men's and women's basketball for one season. For those of you who are following the the football side of this Oregon State-Washington State saga, uh, they have been They have agreed to a scheduling agreement with the Mountain West, again, also for the 2024 season. It is a seven plus one scheduling. In fact, shortly after this uh, source came out from Rothstein, the schedule came out for Oregon State and Washington State football, and they're going to play seven games against the Mountain West each next season. Again, that is only a one year meet or a one year agreement at this point. But we bring this up for a couple of reasons. One, it seems like we're barreling towards the Mountain West and the two, the Pac-2, these two remaining programs, joining in some capacity. And I think the fact that the agreements for football and the, this now discussed agreement for basketball are only one year long is basically to bide time until that agreement can be made. That is my read on the situation. It is also many other people's perceived read on the situation as well. But I think it's it's what makes the most sense. Right now, Oregon State and Washington State, they're, I mean, they're still picking up the pieces. They're kind of scrambling from getting uh, you know, from a, a month-long process where they watched all 10 of the schools in their conference just disappear and leave. Then they had legal battles over making sure they could keep the rights to the Pac-12's assets and the name and everything like that. They have won that lawsuit. They have a bank of money from the Pac-12 that is now theirs to utilize. They also have a, a two-year period of time before they have to join a conference. Basically, they have, they're, they're given a bit of breathing room to figure out what they want to do next. So it makes sense that you would, you would find the, the easiest, softest, most convenient way to, to immediately address your scheduling needs for the following year. The Mountain West offers that in a very obvious way for both basketball and football. 
reach out to former WCC commissioner, Gloria Navarez, you know, coordinate the scheduling for football. Now you coordinate the scheduling for ba- being a basketball member for 24, 25. Meanwhile, you work on some of, on some of those more longer term plans. I think part of the reason that full membership hasn't just been agreed to by this point is because of the the concept of a potential reverse merger. Those of you who are longtime listeners, everyday listeners, you know we've talked about the reverse merger. Those of you who are listeners to Locked On Pack 12 with my friend Spencer McLaughlin, you definitely have heard about the reverse merger. It's a big topic on his show. And basically it's the idea of these two, these two schools merging with the Mountain West, but instead of just becoming Mountain West merger, uh, Mountain West programs, they would basically all glom together to keep the Pac-12 name. So they call it a reverse merger because effectively the entire Mountain West would merge with the Pac-12, which is only two schools. So it's kind of a, a unique situation, uh, but it would potentially allow them to keep the Pac-12's name, to keep to an extent the reputation, although people will will know what the what the Pac-12 was and what it is now. Uh, potentially that assets, uh, r- roughly 400 million in assets that the Pac-12 has, that is obviously enticing to Gloria and the Mountain West. And if they're willing to potentially work work out a situation where those schools join the Pac-12 and split those assets in some way, uh, that is that is a, a, an appealing option for all parties. And I suspect it is what is being discussed. But that those kind, I mean, that kind of negotiation, that kind of decision is going to take time, and but potentially a lot of time. So for Oregon State and Washington State, they don't want to just sit around and not have any kind of contingency plan, not kind, not have any kind of short-term plan for their football programs, which is now taken care of, and presumably their basketball programs, which is what is being negotiated with the Mountain West right now. So. Will this eventually include other other programs? Probably. You know, we haven't heard anything about baseball or soccer or tennis or or any of the other sports. But I think that the assumption is that that is eventually going to be the direction that this goes for for the Oregon State and Washington State. Uh, And it is worth watching, though, because it is possible that for whatever reason, if things break down, if it doesn't actually become a full membership situation between Oregon State, Washington State and the Mountain West, is it possible that football and basketball remain in the Mountain West and that the other sports glom onto the WCC? This has something that has been rumored. It has been floated around. I don't know that it's particularly likely. I don't see why they wouldn't just merge the rest of the sports together. But I would love to add Oregon State and Washington State baseball into the WCC. I don't know how long Gonzaga will be in the WCC. We'll get to that. But it would be that would be a really fun fit. Oregon State baseball is a phenomenal program. They've won national championships. They they've they're incredibly successful. So there's a lot of of fun there. There's other there's other like logistical sports stuff like the Mountain West doesn't offer men's soccer. So Oregon State and Washington State's men's soccer programs will have to find a place to land. That could end up being in the WCC. So there are some some dominoes, plenty of dominoes frankly that still need to fall in this situation. But the main thing here for Gonzaga is, is what this might mean for them. What does this mean for Gonzaga? Could they get invited into a Pac-12 Mountain West merger slash reverse merger? It's a topic we have discussed on this podcast, but now that there is some momentum moving in that direction, we come back to it. The Pac-12 didn't want Gonzaga. They never wanted them. They did not want them because they did not perceive them in the way they did not perceive them institutionally as good enough for the conference. That's effectively what it boiled down to. The school was not big enough. The school was not a research institution. It was not academically powerful enough to merit consideration for the Pac-12. Neither was BYU. 
BYU is now in the Big 12. Gonzaga is getting looks from the Big 12, and the Pac-12 is gone. So seems like their uh, feelings in that matter did not help them in any capacity. But with a potential Pac-12 Mountain West merger, Gonzaga could be interested. And the Mountain West has voted and accepted Gonzaga in the past. So it's not like they're necessarily going to, you know, we can safely assume that the majority of the member schools currently in the Mountain West would probably make that same vote again. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Now, here's the thing. The Mountain West and the Pac-12 with Oregon State and Washington State, who frankly don't move the needle a bunch from a men's basketball perspective, that is not a better conference than the Big 12 or the Big East. It's not even close to a better conference than the Big 12 or the Big East. Those are still the appealing options. And unless Gonzaga feels like that is, those are both off the table, which at this point is clearly not the case, then I don't think that they would accept an invitation to the Mountain West Pac-12 merger. We're still months away from, from those conferences merging and then maybe at that point considering whether they would extend an invitation to Gonzaga. Like this isn't necessarily something super imminent and certainly Gonzaga's interest from the Pac-12, or excuse me, from the Big 12. Uh, we don't really know if there's a lot of interest from the Big East, but it is something we continue to monitor. It's possible that things could move more quickly in that direction than they would with a, a Pac-2 Mountain West Conference type of uh, merger conversation. But it is a a thing to keep an eye on because as much as I love the WCC, as much as you who listen to the show have heard me talk uh, about the WCC, a Mountain West with those two schools is much better for Gonzaga than the WCC. At this point, it is no longer debatable. The WCC has lost BYU. Uh, The programs that were making progress are are not necessarily failing. San Francisco is certainly not failing. Santa Clara has had their ups and downs. LMU has had their ups and downs. Both are fine quality programs. Uh, But St. Mary's, I'm not overly concerned about St. Mary's long-term, but woof, it has been a bad start to the season for the Gales. But at the end of the day, the Mountain West, I think they have five teams in the top 48 at net. Mountain West is is much better. Colorado State's ranked. New Mexico is is borderline ranked. San Diego State just went to the national championship game last year. Boise State, uh, Nevada Nevada was one of the last ranked teams in the country like this, or last undefeated teams in the country, excuse me. Like this is a really good conference. And Gonzaga would be in a better spot in this conference. They'd have a regional rivalry with Washington State. They'd get to stay in the state of Oregon by playing Oregon State, even though it's farther from Portland and, frankly, a worse basketball program than Portland. They would at least stay in the area. They would then get uh, road games in in Fort Collins at Colorado State. They would get uh, San Diego State. They'd get to go play down there. They'd Fresno State, Nevada. Like, there's a ton of really good basketball in the Mountain West, really good localities where their road games would be. And I think that it's a really appealing fit for Gonzaga. But, again, If the Big East or the Big 12 is at all a possibility, I don't think Gonzaga jumps ship to to the Mountain West Pac-12 combo because it just doesn't make sense to do that unless you really don't feel like you have any other options. Gonzaga does not have a single quad one win, and they're not going to get a whole lot more chances. We're going to talk about how much of a concern that is after I tell you about today's sponsor, Game Time. So we are just over a week away from Christmas, and some of you probably still need some last-minute gift ideas. Well, good news, you are in luck with Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event, and thankfully Game Time has got you covered. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts. 
Folks, I bought tickets to an Oregon State-Utah Valley basketball game a few weeks ago. 14 bucks for two seats right up, basically right on the floor. Uh, I was unable to go to the game, unfortunately. Relisted my tickets on game time, got all my money back. It is a super, super easy app to use, and it takes the guesswork right out of buying tickets. So download the game time app, create an account, and use that promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Terms apply. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, folks, one thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen for your first watch of the day. I want to give a shout out to those everyday listeners and those of you who have joined us on our Discord channel. Getting close to 300 members on that Discord channel, all talking all things Gonzaga basketball, college basketball, women's basketball, WCC, Zags the NBA, all sorts of stuff covered in that Discord channel. So if you want to hang out with us there, just click that link in your show notes. It is completely free to join. Moving on, we are talking about the net rankings. Not my favorite topic because I'm not a big fan of the net rankings, but they are important. They do carry weight with regards to uh, seeding in the NCAA tournament. And right now the Zags, 33 in the net ranking, which is not terrible, but they don't have a single quad one win. It's mid-December. There is still time. There is time tonight to pick up a massive one against the Yukon Huskies. But right now the Zags are over. In the quad one category, a reminder of how the quad system works. A quad one win is a win at home over a top 30 net ranked opponent, a neutral site game over a top 50 opponent, and a road win over a top 75 net ranked opponent. So that is how it works. The first best easiest way for Gonzaga to pick up a quad one victory is if one of the teams they have already beat ends up in that quad one conversation. Right now, none of the teams that they have beat are particularly close. USC is 87th in the net ranking. They would need to be top 50 as a neutral site game. Syracuse is 93rd, also would need to be top 50. UCLA is 116th, would also need to be top 50. Again, those two games both happening in the Maui Invitational. Yale is 143rd. They would need to climb a bunch of spots all the way to the top 30 in order to be a quad one win for the Zags. So I still think USC and UCLA could get there. Less confident in Syracuse, not very confident in Yale. They don't have the schedule to get there, even if they do go on a really, really, if they win basically the rest of their games, I still don't think they're going to be a top 30 team. It's just not in the cards for them. But I think USC and UCLA could get there. But they they got to turn it around soon. They're, they're running out of time. USC has has frankly not been very good. But they did just get Ronnie back. Maybe he kind of jumpstarts the offense, a little bit more rest for Collier and Boogie Ellis, uh, another dynamic guard for them to play with. I, I think it, I think USC could turn their season around, 
I also think UCLA will definitely turn their season around. Nick Cronin is a fantastic coach. This team has really has a ton of youth, just all youth. And I think as they start to put the pieces together, as a day Mara gets more comfortable, Sebastian Mack gets more comfortable. I think this is a team that has has legit potential to be a dark horse, uh, really good team in the in the Pac-12. The problem is the Pac-12 is not that great. You need. I don't know that either of these teams absolutely need to beat Arizona to to get into this quad one conversation for Gonzaga, but it's certainly going to help because if you don't beat Arizona, you got to probably sweep Oregon. You probably got to sweep Colorado and they're going to beat up on each other and that's not going to help. <laughs> they're going to suffer losses to each other. So there's, there's definitely an area uh, of concern for Gonzaga there. So I I'm cautiously optimistic that maybe one of these teams can get into the quad one conversation, but that's still not great maybe one of them gets in that that gives you one quad one win the other opportunities for gonzaga are obvious friday night tonight yukon that's a huge one that is guaranteed to be a quad one game there is no chance that yukon's dropping out of the top 50 in the net rankings it's not happening so if the zags win that one boom they get themselves a quad one kentucky on the road Kentucky's been up and down this year, but they're not going to be out of the top 75, not in the SEC. And that is a road game for Gonzaga. So if they beat Kentucky, boom, that's a quad one game there. Then you got San Diego State. San Diego State right now is 29th. That's pretty darn good. The problem is since that is a home game for Gonzaga, they need to be in the top 30. They are right on the line there. And we have seen San Diego State. uh, They went into overtime against, I think it was Cal. They beat UC Irvine by one point. They beat UC San Diego by one point. Any of those are losses and they're not top 30. So they're, they're right. They're a really precarious spot for Gonzaga right now. Uh, In looking into the WCC right now, San Francisco is 50th. That is huge. If Gonzaga beats San Francisco on the road, and I am assuming that the game at the Chase Center will be considered a true road game for Gonzaga, although I am not a hundred percent sure it is possible that the net would consider that a neutral site, in which case San Francisco would have to be top 50 as opposed to top 75. They are 50th right now. So that's a fairly important distinction uh, in terms of, of Gonzaga potentially picking up a quad one win. St. Mary's is 83rd. Santa Clara is 137th. Now, St. Mary's, in theory, if Gonzaga sweeps them, they only need to be top 75 for Gonzaga to pick up at least one quad one victory out of that. If, if, if St. Mary's finishes top 75, Gonzaga beats them in Moraga, they will get, or yeah, beats them in Moraga, they will get a quad one win there. Santa Clara would need to jump from 137 to 75. Uh, I, I, it's, it's doable. It's not super easy. They haven't put themselves in a great position with some early season losses that they shouldn't have suffered, but it is possible they get into that conversation. All this to say, Gonzaga is not in a great spot right now with regards to their quad one victories, their, their, their overall net ranking. 33rd is, is not great. Gonzaga has a couple opportunities to pick up quad ones, but they are tough, tough games. What I'll say is this. Gonzaga absolutely needs to win at least one of the three games against UConn, Kentucky, and San Diego State. They absolutely need one of them. Be real great if they got two. If they get three, we're going to be having a different conversation because if Gonzaga beats Kentucky and UConn, the, the net ranking may not matter as much uh, just in terms of their overall seeding. Those are such monstrous wins that I think Gonzaga is going to, they're going to get a, a quality seed if they win those all three of those games. But if they win two or if they only win one, there's maybe a bit of a struggle. In a worst case scenario for Gonzaga outside of losing all three of those games, if they, if they lose one of them and USC, UCLA don't take that jump, and St. Mary's on the road is the only other quad one game, you could be looking at a a season where Gonzaga finishes with one or two quad one wins. 
that's pretty bad. Some of that's outside of Gonzaga's control. They can't control that UCLA and USC have played poorly since they beat them. They could have controlled beating Washington, and they didn't. That was an opportunity to pick one up. It happens. At the end of the day, Gonzaga's brand and recognition probably prevents them from like, they're not going to get absolutely shafted on Selection Sunday, but a reality where they lose to either UConn or Kentucky or both and only beat San Diego State, there's a reality where that coupled with the WCC being a little bit down, a, a four or five loss Gonzaga team ends up as like a four or five seed. It's totally possible. It might happen. Is it terrible? I don't think so. I don't think it's necessarily that disastrous of a of a result. Certainly, if Gonzaga were to lose all three of those games, or you know, lose multiple conference games, like there are, there are some some far worse scenarios that could happen for Gonzaga. But I think there is a reality where Gonzaga ultimately finishes without that many losses and doesn't get a, as high of a seed as we're used to, and that will cause some you know people to be upset about the WCC being down this year, which is reasonable, uh, or Gonzaga dropping that UW game or whatever. But at the end of the day, this team being a four or five seed. I, I like them in that spot. I think that they could make some real noise uh, at that spot as opposed to the pressure of being a one seed or a two seed, which just looks a little bit less likely uh, for this team at this point. So certainly something to keep an eye on, keep paying attention to as much as I'm not a big fan of the net rankings. It does matter and it will matter for Gonzaga this year. We're going to close out the show answering a listener submitted question about Ben Gregg. We're also going to discuss Julian Strother. And of course, we're going to talk about Jimmy Fallon. Why? I will tell you after a word from today's sponsor, Prize Picks. Folks, Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead you to big payouts, like their Taco Tuesday deal. Every Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide you all with more value. And with Prize Picks' reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for NFL games and college football bowl matchups, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and they do not return in the second half, that player is rebooted. Prize Picks is the only DFS platform that offers injury insurance. And this app is really, really easy to use. All you do is pick two or more players and choose more or less with the given stat. Right now, PrizePix is offering Kevin Durant at 0.5 points on Christmas against Dallas. I'll tell you right now, Kevin Durant's going to score more than a point against the Mavericks on Christmas, so that is an easy, easy place to start. Go to PrizePix.com slash LockedOnCollege. Use that promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. Again, that's PrizePix.com slash LockedOnCollege. Use promo code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match of up to $100. PrizePix, it's daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, folks, closing out the show today with a handful of different topics, starting with a mailbag question here submitted by Larry via Gmail. Larry says, seems like Mark Few has lost confidence or trust in Ben Gregg. Whenever he's in the game, the energy picks up. He always goes hard, and if he hits a shot, his confidence shows. I can't understand why he's not playing more minutes. Any thoughts on his standing with the coaches? or what he needs to do to get more playing time. Yeah, I kind of disagree with the premise of this question, if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, ben Gregg's playing about 16 minutes per night. He's averaging 7.5 boards. That's right in line with what I projected with him. That's right in line with where a lot of people kind of projected him. He's a backup big, and he's not going to take playing time away from Anton Watson or Graham E.K., and frankly, he, he probably shouldn't. Uh, you could argue he deserves playing time over Braden Huff, but up to this point, he has played about equal with Braden Huff. Uh, this is the role that Ben Gregg has on this team. I think the fact that, you know, you're alluding to him coming off the bench and bringing energy, like that's what he is supposed to do. And 
I, I think that him he's filling he's he's filling that role in part because it is not a 25 minute per game role, 32 minute per game role. Um, I, I think he's I think he's right in line with the playing time that he deserves. And, and this question was specifically addressed uh, his playing time in the UW game where he played 15 minutes. 15 minutes was sixth on the team. Uh, and I, I think that's about where you, you, he's your sixth man. So that's where you want him to be. And I don't think he necessarily should have played more minutes over. Ant- I mean, Anton played a full 40. He probably could have come out at some point, but Watson also had 13 rebounds and five steals. You really needed what he brought on the glass and uh, defensively. Ben Gregg had one rebound in his 15 minutes. He, he shot the ball well, but Graham EK had a, had a monster game, 18.6 boards on eight of 14 shooting. Like Watson and Greg, or excuse me, Watson and EK are just, more equipped to be 25 plus minute per game starters than Ben is right now. And I think Ben fills that role coming off the bench really admirably. And I think he does the job that he is asked to do. And I, I don't think that that there's any issue with his standing with the coaches, as this question alluded to. I don't think Mark Few doesn't have confidence or trust in him. I, I don't believe any of that is true. I think he's filling the role that he's being asked to fill. And I, I don't really think there's a whole lot more to it than that, to be honest. I want to talk about Julian Strother here. Uh, Strother had a monster, monster game. Uh, and in fact, has had a, a really good couple of games here as a rookie for the Denver Nuggets. On December 11th against Atlanta, Strother had 22 points, five steals, two assists, and went six of 11 from three. Not only is the 22 points a career high for Strother, he is also the first rookie ever ever in the history of the NBA to have five steals and six made three-pointers in the same game. Nobody else has ever done that none of Curry never did it. LeBron, Jordan, Kobe, none of those guys ever did it. Julian Strother, six made threes, five steals in the same game. Tremendous performance. The next day on the road against Chicago, December 12th, Julian has 16.6 boards, three assists, and a steal. Phenomenal pair of games for Julian. And it's been a, a unique rookie season for Strother because we've seen him top 20 points twice, We've seen him in double figures, I think, five times. But we've also seen a lot of games where he plays very, very little, games where he does not play at all. And his overall season stats look far – they're not nearly as good as, as you would expect from somebody to have back-to-back 15-plus point games. On the season, Strother's averaging six points, 1.4 rebounds, 1.1 assists. He is shooting just under 49% on two-pointers. He is about 35% even on threes. And really, it's just a, a, a sporadic amount of playing time for Strother. The, the Denver Nuggets are good. They are stacked in the front court. They are stacked on the wing. This is a, a deep and talented team. You have to be to win an NBA championship, which they just did. Uh, Christian Braun, Peyton Watson, like they have a lot of young, talented wings. And so Strother's playing time sometimes ebbs and flows. But it is very clear when he is asked to play big minutes, when Denver needs him to step in and play 20 minutes a night, that he is more than capable of doing so. On a less talented team, Strother would almost certainly be playing more minutes. I don't think that that's necessarily a good thing, not that more playing is bad, but I think Strother's ability to develop and grow in a less pressure situation, uh, to to be surrounded by other really talented players and and well-coached players in a program that has the kind of success that they have, I think is ultimately good for Julian. I mean, heck, this is a kid who played very little as a freshman at Gonzaga, waited his turn, exploded as a junior, turned out to be a first-round pick in the NBA draft. He is comfortable doing that. And right now, when he is when his number is called, he answers in a major way 
for the Nuggets. But if they're not calling his number, you can bet that he is still developing behind the scenes, growing, uh, perfecting his craft, and so that the next time he is called, he's going to be even better. We're going to continue to see this from him this season. Closing out the show with a funny, funny anecdote that happened on Jimmy Fallon's Tonight Show. For those of you who did not see this or were not on social media where it made the round, Sydney Sweeney, a very, very popular actress right now from Spokane, Washington. She's from TV shows like Euphoria, White Lotus, Handmaid's Tale. Uh, she was on Jimmy Fallon's show promoting her new movie, and she gave him a gift. And the gift that she gave Jimmy Fallon was a signed Gonzaga basketball, signed by the entire team currently. It was a, a funny moment, funny anecdote. Uh, her direct quote to him was, the last time I was here, we talked about my hometown of Spokane, and you were saying you were a big fan of Gonzaga, so I brought you something. So he pulled out this big old box, Jimmy opened it, and there was a signed Gonzaga basketball. And then he asked her how she got it, and I presume jokingly, although I don't know for sure, she said, uh, I had some guys slide into my DMs, I mean, likely implying that somebody on the Gonzaga basketball team uh, hit Sydney Sweeney up. Uh, who knows if it's true? doesn't really matter if it's true. I think it's interesting. I think it's funny, I guess, that Gonzaga has now been involved in, in multiple uh, of these types of stories dating all the way back, of course, to the uh, rumors that Taylor Swift and Matt Bolden were dating from way back in 2009. Uh, it is funny how, how big of a story that was at the time. And this is, has been a story that's gone around the rounds and whatnot, but uh, Gonzaga has ascended to the point where they're just like kind of part of the cultural norm. Like they weren't in 2009. A lot of people were like, what is, what is Gonzaga? Like, who is that? Or like, oh yeah, they had the mustache guy. Now it's like, oh, Gonzaga's in the news. Like it's just Jimmy Fallon talks about Gonzaga regularly. Jimmy Kimmel has had a recurring segment for years uh, about the, whether Gonzaga is real. That is just like, Everybody kind of accepts that Gonzaga gets talked about by late night hosts on TV and movies. Uh, they've been referenced in, in Adam Sandler's recent movie about basketball called Hustle. Uh, the new adaptation of White Men Can't Jump uh, had the main character having played college basketball at Gonzaga. Like they're just in the in the vernacular of our pop culture in a way that they is kind of striking to think about for people who have been fans of Gonzaga for any longer than like 10 or 12 years. This is not the norm for Gonzaga. And yet it has become somewhat of the norm for Sydney Sweeney. Uh, she's from Spokane. So that helps. But like uh, Jimmy Fallon getting assigned Gonzaga basketball doesn't feel like as crazy of a story as you might have imagined it would have been 15 years ago. And that's a, a testament to how far this program has come in that time. That's going to wrap us up for today and for this week. Enjoy the game on Friday, Zags fans. I will be in the house at Climate Pledge Arena. Looking forward to seeing some of you all there. Going to be an absolutely fantastic one. We'll be back next week to review that game. Look ahead to Gonzaga's game against Jackson State. And then a big nine-day gap before they play the Aztecs of San Diego State to close out the year. Thanks again for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. And until next week, as always, go Zags.